I think I got it, but just in case, tell me the whole thing again. I wasn't listening. I'm freaking out! everybody i'm here pac-man awesome could you make one of these in orange i only work in black and sometimes very very dark gray hey pal i hate to tell you this but uh i don't think you're supposed to be here well i guess i'm gonna have to report you So covering uh, Lego, and really he's not going to get into the movie much at all. It's really more about Legos in general, I guess. Okay. Do me a favor and welcome to the stage Garland Owensby. Thank you, Garland. <laughs> and I need to tell you this. I forgot to do it a minute ago. Yeah. Garland uh, is on XM. Uh, his comedy albums have been on XM, Sirius Satellite Radios, Laugh USA, yeah. and he's got those are out in the lobby. So if, if you like him and you want to support his ministry, uh, then go buy that. Even if you don't like him, go ahead and yeah. go pick one up and give it to somebody you don't like, maybe. Annoy so, your friends and neighbors. That's right. So anyway, thank you so much for being here today, Garland. Really, that's part of my ministry, annoying my, my friends and neighbors. Uh, my wife is here with me. Yes. Here she is. Say, hey. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Did you start with a healing ministry? Because she had to have been blind. <laughs> right? that, that's what you're thinking. I am so happy to be here. I, you, okay, this is a weird thing. My wife said, yeah, wasn't Mel like one of your students 10 years ago? And I said, no, it was like 16 years ago. And so I don't know if she just thinks that, that Mel is young or I'm young or, or how that goes. But uh, everybody gets older. And, it, and some of you are very happy because you're like, wow, Mel has bald friends. Um, and it's, okay, this is, it's real, I'm not buying a CD if that's what that is. All right. But okay. So I am so thankful. I just, I love Mel and Kim and their family. And so it's great to be here. I, I am, uh, this is great because I am originally from Pennsylvania. Yes. I, I was born in Delaware because it was the closest hospital and, uh, there was no sales tax. So my dad was just cheap. Mom went into labor. Dad said, hold it. We're making a run for the border. We're going, which means something completely different in Texas. Uh, this, we've discovered. I, I do need to say this now that I'm on the Pittsburgh side of Pennsylvania. I just want to say thank you to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to say thank you because I live in Dallas, Texas, where there are a whole bunch of Cowboys fans that are delusional. I told him, I said, I recently found a, uh, a, a Super Bowl champion Cowboys t-shirt. And they said, really, where? And I said, oh, it's in, uh, in an antique store. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, one of my, <laughs> this is true, one of my former students, she was a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. She was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. And uh, right before they blew up Cowboys Stadium, she, she got me a great invitation to play hide-and-seek on the field of old Cowboys Stadium against the Dallas Cowboys team. Hide and seek right there on the field. 
It was kind of easy. I won. You see, I, I just, I hid in the end zone and the team couldn't find me. Yeah, the kicker for the Cowboys found out I was making fun of him, and, and this is what he said. He said, I'm going to kick your tail end. But I wasn't worried. I figured he'd miss into to the left. One <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> of the other Cowboys, he was like, man, you don't know nothing about football. I could beat you at football with both hands tied behind my back. And I was like, whoa, 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 that is not fair. You're a Dallas Cowboy. You've had experience with both hands tied behind your back. You moan because it's true, isn't it, right? I know some of you, you're like, hey, listen, Garland, this is church. It is not fair of you to pick on the Dallas Cowboys on a Sunday when they're not there there to defend themselves. (laughs) Come on, let's be honest. When have they ever been there on a Sunday to defend themselves, right? (laughs) So... Okay, well, let's, uh, let's get into the message. Um, I, I, was, I was born in Pennsylvania. I was born in, uh, well, I grew up in a little place called Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. It is uh, the mushroom capital of the world. Great place. Uh, that, I guess that's why I'm a fun guy. That's a, ter- that's a dad joke. That is a dad joke. Just ignore that that ever happened. I like your haircut, you and I. Yeah, all right. See, it helps us to hear God faster. Okay, that's, that's all this is. <laughs> and this is to keep the devil guessing. What? 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 I can't... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like the Lego movie, and uh, it's, if you've never seen it, it's fun. It's fun for the whole family. Um, I like Legos. What I don't like are Legos when they're just like little pieces all over the floor that your kids leave. That's not fun. And so I, I want to show you a clip from the Lego movie that I think really accentuates what we're talking about today. So if we could roll that clip, and that would be What do we do? What do we do? Uh... Well, what's the last thing Lord Business expects master builders will do? Build a spaceship? Kill a chicken? Marry a marshmallow. Why this? <laughs> You're gonna keep them down on the farm. Huh? No, it's follow the instructions. Oh, uh, I don't like that. No, now listen, wait, listen. Guys, you're all so talented and imaginative, but... You can't work together as a team. I'm just a construction worker. But when I had a plan and we were all working together, I mean, we could build a skyscraper. Now you're master builders. Just imagine what could happen if you did that. You could save the universe. Well said, Emmett, well said. Really? She'd be a fine speech there, laddie. Okay. Somebody get me some markers. Some construction paper. And some glitter glue. You're all so talented and gifted, but you can't work together. Have you ever been in an office like that? Have you ever been on a team like that where everybody's so gifted and talented, but they can't win one, two, three, four, five championships, so they flee back to Cleveland? Um, (laughs) You see, it's not the component parts. It's how those parts work together. It's how they fit together. And he says, listen, each one of you is individually gifted and talented, but You don't know how to work as a team. And I think the same can be said often for us as a church, as people. It's like we're each gifted and talented in our own specific ways, and and yet we have this difficulty coming together. And it's nothing new. 
right? But when you can find that master builder that knows how to put the pieces together, they can construct something like a skyscraper. They can construct something that is so much more beautiful together than any individual could be on its own. Now, there is a, we talk about the master builders. You hear that in, in the clip. But master builder is an actual job title in the Lego Corporation. And there's a man named Steve Gerling. Now, Steve Gerling, his expertise is in making Lego creations, large Lego creations. Now, I, I've got some pictures of some of his Lego creations that he has made. There's a, look, it's a giant shark. Isn't that cool? That, that's this man's job, is taking hundreds of thousands of little blocks and putting them together. Here's, a, here's another one. It's a truck, an SUV made out of Legos. And, and then the final one, he made a tiger. Now, I look, here's my problem. My son has a tub of Lego blocks. And I'm sure if I had a tub of Lego blocks, you could make something like that out of all those individual pieces. But there's a problem. I'd have to do it, <laughs> and, and I don't have that in my mind. I, I don't have that ability. I don't have that gifting to put those pieces together. I'm not a master builder. But see, there's something about being a master builder for Lego. Uh, it's not just something if you go, oh, I like building Legos. Let's do this. No, no. To be a master builder for Lego, you have to have at least a bachelor's degree in art, architecture, or design. So you have to have some training in these fields that would lead you to make a beautiful creation. You have to have experience with design software because these guys aren't just like looking at a tub of Legos and going, oh, let's, let's see what happens, right? They have a plan. There's a, a design that has been thought out before they ever set to putting the blocks together. And then you also have to submit a portfolio of your work. So before they will give you the job of Master Builder, they have to say, have you practiced at it? Have you built on your experience and expertise. It can take years to attain to be the level of a master builder, but once you are, you are recognized as one who is gifted at taking individual component pieces and putting them together to make a greater creation than any one block could be on its own. Well, I, I believe the church also is dealing with this. In fact, Paul talks to the church in Philippi about this. So if you have your scriptures, let's look at Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to go verses 27 through 30, and then we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2 and read verses 1 and 2 there. So Paul talks to the church in Philippi, and he says, listen, you need to connect with one another. So he says this, whatever happens, okay, whatever happens. Now, that, I like that whatever because there's no asterisk. There's no, hey, when times get tough, I can do what I want. Or if things aren't working out the way I like, I can do what I want. He says, no, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. How many spirits? One spirit strive together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And then verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... 
then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and, we'll add the word one, one in purpose. Be one in spirit and one in purpose. Now, I also, I think it's appropriate that as we talk about connecting as a church, let's think about the individual here as well. Let's think about our marriages. And Jesus talks about how we need to connect with our spouse as well in Mark chapter 10, verses 5 and 9. He says, but Jesus responded, he wrote the commandment, meaning the commandment to disconnect, to divorce, only as a concession to your hard hearts. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined, one to his wife. And the two are united into one. You ever, you ever hear this joke? It says, yeah, when people get married, the two become one. The question is, which one? Right. So the two are united into one since they are no longer two, but one. Let no one split or disconnect, split apart what God has joined together. I, I think it's clear both in Philippians and then what Jesus is saying is Mark is that it is vital for us as a church and as husbands and wives to connect with one another. That's what these Lego pieces are made for. Right. They connect with one another. And this is an example of who we are as a church. That when we connect with one another, we create something that is so much bigger and better than what we could do as individual disconnected pieces. All right. So I think every couple before they get married, every couple needs to spend one Christmas together before they say, I do. Okay, this, this is my theory. Now, you can reject it if you want, but I'm right. <laughs> Here's why. You need to discover if they do Christmas right. Or in the words of Charles Dickens, if they do Christmas well, right? You, you see, um, my family did Christmas right, all right? Now, part of it was we have a German heritage. And so Germans, we're, we're well known for doing Christmas well, okay? And uh, I, I remember the first Christmas that I spent with my wife's family. And uh, they, they just, they don't know how to do Christmas. Okay, number one, number one, opening gifts on Christmas Eve. Who does that? Who does that? Nobody does that. Jesus wasn't even born yet, right? Okay, my birthday's August 4th. I'm not going, hey, it's August 3rd. Let me open presents. Everybody go, it's not your birthday yet, right? That's, it's ridiculous. And then how they opened the gifts was wrong. Her family, they just start chucking them, right? They're underneath the tree. They're like, hey, this is for Brooke. This is for Autumn. This is for Dad. It's like going all over. The, it was like a war zone. It was ridiculous. And then when they get them, nobody waits for anybody else. They're just ripping the paper. It was like feeding time at the zoo. It's ridiculous. People are like, what would you get your sister-in-law for the first Christmas? I said, my finger. She bit my finger off. Touched her presence. See, we did Christmas right. See, at our house, at our house, you woke up on Christmas morning when mom and dad were ready to get out of bed. <laughs> and when mom and dad had their coffee <laughs> and made their way to the living room, you then got out the presents and you put them in piles in front of people. And then the youngest. got to open one present, and everybody would comment on how appropriate it was. See, ours was not feeding time at the zoo. Ours was an English tea party. <laughs> Thank you, mother, for this lovely gift. <laughs> it is so appropriate. Pip, pip. You know, that's what we do. And when all the accolades had come in and shown how appropriate it was, then you would move on to the next person, okay? So people were like, like, 
her family, five minutes, gift opening is done. Ours, two hours, you take a break, all right? <laughs> you take a break. Now, since we were on the Philadelphia side breakfast, we actually ate cheesesteaks on breakfast. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so bad, but so we would eat cheesesteak. But then, okay, and then decorating the tree, decorating the tree. All right, so my family, my family had a good Christmas tree. It was a proper Christmas tree, the kind they had in the Bible. And <laughs> it was the type of Christmas tree that was like multicolored lights and nothing matched and it was like ornaments you made as a kid and ornaments passed down from generations, right? I mean, it looked like elves had come down the chimney and vomited Christmas onto a tree. People came instantly look at it. People, people that were suffering depression would look at this and go, I feel better. I just feel better about life. I can make it now, you know? And it was just, it was a wonderful Christmas time. It was beautiful. And so that's the kind of tree we had for the first two years of our marriage. And then my wife said, listen, I, this year I want a real tree. And I said, well, we, we do. We have a real tree. I go to the store. I buy, I buy a real tree, right? She goes, no, no, no. I, know, I mean, like, well, okay, let's, let's buy a fake tree, which, you know, Immediately, I should have known something was wrong when she was talking about a fake tree. And, uh, and, and then she said, and then I, I want all the ornaments to match and, and basically like be one color and let it match the furniture. And so I, I was a good husband and I, I did it and our tree was burgundy and navy blue. I mean, it's like sometimes if you put your ear right next to the chimney, you could hear Santa crying. <laughs> just, just sad. So. And now it's, it's like silver and white, which is basically like extracting all the joy out of Christmas. <laughs> but I went to Home Depot one time. I got a really inexpensive, nice tree with multicolors, and so that's the one upstairs with a train. <laughs> 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 there are marriages that have ended over Christmas trees. There are marriages that have ended over toothpaste. Where do you squeeze it? From the bottom like civilized people or from the middle like animals, right? How do you hang the toilet paper, over or under? Why would you do it under? That doesn't make sense. It's over. You, over. And of course, you fold it into a triangle for the next person, right? Am I right? <laughs> Some of you are like, that's a, that's a little bit too far, <laughs> right? <laughs> it always creeps me out when you go to a hotel and it's folded over. I'm like, I'm not using that. <laughs> just, uh, somebody touch that. <laughs> just rip that off, right? <laughs> but it's crazy because when you're trying to live with other people, when you're trying to do life together as a church, it's so easy to look and go, all right, that person I will never talk to because they're weird. That person I will never connect with because they're strange. That person I will never connect with, and you fill in the blanks. Because you think they're too loud, they're too smelly, they're whatever they are. And I'm telling you that every single person in this room is gifted and talented because God has gifted and talented them, called them to be a part of his body. And so there was a place for every master builder in here. And if you don't think you're a master builder, I'm telling you, you're deceived. You are a master builder because God has given you that gift to connect with other people, to do something greater than you could ever do on your own. And so Paul says this, he says, listen, I know it's tough to unify with other people. I know it's tough to connect with other people because there are strong personalities. Some of you are like, oh, I'm Batman, right? <laughs> I know how to win this city. I'm the hero this church has. <laughs> Not necessarily the church 
<laughs> they heard this church once. Um, <laughs> right? You have strong personalities. You feel like, you know, oh, I want to build a spaceship. I want to build a rocket. I will only work in black Legos. You have strong personalities, and strong personalities and differing visions and competition will not lead you to build something great in Indiana, Pennsylvania, or in your marriage. But instead, when we do what Paul says, and he says, listen, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to find some empathy. You're going to have to compromise. You're going to have to consider others. So yes, there are going to be things in marriage and in your church that you don't particularly go, man, I'm 100% behind that. But we recognize for the greater good to build something awesome in this city, then sometimes we can't have our way. We need to trust one another that God has gifted and talented us in different ways, and that's okay. So we look for places of compassion. Paul says the church should be one body. Now, I like this word one. Uh, I do live in Texas, and so uh, in Texas, uh, we frequently call the word one uno. <laughs> Porque nosotros hablamos español también. Okay. Uh, all right, so we have this game. You know the card game that when you get down to one card, and what do you say? Uno, uno, because uno means one. And an entity is another way of saying a body. All right, so uno entity. I don't know if you know this, but they actually sell the, the card game uno in Mexico. It's called one. <laughs> yeah. ¿Cuántos arretes tienes tú? One. <laughs> that was my imitation of a Mexican pretending to be white. Right. One. Okay. <laughs> one. I'm going to sell zero CDs. Nobody's going to be like, this is the best he's got. If you take uno entity and you mush them together, uno entity, you get the word unity. And so Paul says, I want you to find some oneness, some uno entity, some one-bodiedness in the church. So he's saying, church in Philippi, you need to become one entity. Jesus says, the two will become one. One, in 2013, there was one divorce every 13 seconds. So every 13 seconds, somebody said, you know what? I'm just going to disconnect. I'm going to disconnect from this marriage. Now, I understand. Listen, if, if we're talking about abuse, that's, that's a whole other issue. But when we're talking about I can't stand the way the Christmas tree looks anymore, or I can't stand the way you lick your lips or I can't stand the, the, the way that you squeeze the toothpaste, okay, then, then we've got issues. Because that's an assertion of my will and my way is the only way. But when two become one, when we enter into a church body or we enter into a marriage, you're not marrying yourself. You're marrying another master builder who's just trying to do life. A lot of times people disconnect from marriages because they don't want to do the hard work of compromising and considering the other and trying to understand the other. And to be honest, there are sometimes people leave your church. Why? Because connecting with people can be difficult. It can involve hurt feelings. It can, it can provide some difficult emotions. It can provide work. It can be saying, you know what, I... This isn't the way I would do it. It's, it's okay. Not everything has to be done the way you want to do it. It's the way God wants to do it through us and how he wants to use one master builder to help all of us together. 
The difficult thing is that one of the signs that people are disconnecting is they begin to hide things from their spouse. Well, this is going to be my money. This is going to be, I'm, this is going to be my stuff. I, you, you're not the boss of me. You don't, you don't have to ask me where I am all the time. You know, things like that. And we begin to disconnect. In the church, it's going to be really easy to disconnect too. What you do is you, you come in after the worship starts and you leave before the altar call. You say, I'm not going to get involved with small groups. I, I'm only going to show up when I have to so God can see that I punched the time clock. But see, the church in Philippi had to understand that during difficult times, they were going to need one another. He says, listen, you're going to join in the suffering of Jesus Christ. In the Lego movie, this is what's happened. The, the, the special Emmett has to convince everybody, saying, listen, I know you want marshmallows. I know you want a spaceship. I know you want a pirate ship. I know you want to be Batman. But for the sake of this universe, for the sake of our Lego universe, we've got to set aside our own wills and our own desires and our own visions, and we have to combine as one so that we can create something incredible and we can save our universe. Listen, are you concerned about Indiana, Pennsylvania? And if you are, God has a plan for you as a master builder with this church. And it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be work. Paul says that you should be one in spirit. The, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. It's uh, if you've ever gotten your, your tires changed and they use that drill, right? And they use that drill. And it's powered by what? Compressed air. And so it's a pneumatic drill. It's the spirit, it's the air, it's the breath that is empowering that drill. And in the same way, Paul says, I want you to be one in spirit. I want you to breathe as one body. I want you to breathe the breath of God. And so when the spirit of God envelops us as a people, as a church, and we get behind one vision and we say we will work together and I'm going to consider my brother and I'm going to look out for other people. We are going to build something great. But it's by the breath of God, the spirit of God. Now, <laughs> my, my son, my son is, uh, he's 17 now. Um, and ladies, he's single. Just, just saying, if you're interested. It's basically this, but 17. So... <laughs> Maybe. Okay. <laughs> he plays trumpet. Now, uh, those of you that are parents that have children that play an instrument, do you remember sixth grade band concerts? <laughs> oh my goodness. Your kid was the only one that knew what he was doing, right? <laughs> my kid could play a mean hot cross buns, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, Austin, you are amazing. Hot cross buns on the trumpet. Awesome. And then the band director would go, and the band would play together, and you just wanted to take an ice pick and poke your ears out. It's like, no, make this stop. There were dogs scattering around the county, right? It was awful. It was a cacophony. I use the word cacophony. <laughs> it was a cacophony of noise. And you're like, is this the future? No, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Now, here's the great thing. Now my son is a senior in high school, and he plays trumpet, and he plays jazz improv, and he plays in the wind ensemble, and the songs they play are intricate, and they're much more developed. And I'm telling you, it sounds great. Why? Well, because they're breathing together now. They're listening to the 
band director. And when the band director goes like this, they all come together and they know their parts. And the trumpets aren't going, man, I want to be a flute. And the flutists aren't going to be, aren't saying, I wish I did percussion. The flautist is saying, I like this flute. This is the instrument for me. And the trumpeter is going, this is my instrument and this is what I want to play. But the trumpeter listens and says, you know what? I need the percussionist. And the percussionists say, you know what? If we're just clanging cymbals and we don't have the woodwind section and we don't have the brass, then we're not a great orchestra. It doesn't matter how gifted and talented you are on your own. It's how you sync up in breath, in the spirit, with the rest of the church. So the question is, what is the sound that's going to emanate from the summit? Is it going to be a noise like a clanging cymbal? Is it going to be a beautiful sound emanating from here that people passing by are going to be drawn in, that when you go to work and they just get a hint of that melody that's happening here, and they're going to say, man, I want to experience that sound. But I'm telling you, if we sound like a sixth-grade orchestra, nobody's going to want to be here. Parents, your marriage should be a symphony for your children. So they'll want to replay that melody and melody and over and over and over again. It's possible. We can do this. You may think it's impossible. What you need is the Spirit of God to breathe through you, to act as one body, to connect with your spouse, to connect with the church so you can make beautiful music. Okay, number two. Number two. So he says we have to contend as one. All right, now we've established that we need to connect with one another. We have, need to connect in our marriages. We can need to connect as a church, connecting in small groups, connecting in ministries, connecting with a major vision. So we understand that we need to connect. So once you're connected, it's like, now what? It's kind of like, you know, when a dog chases a, a, a car and you're like, okay, wh- if you catch it, what are you going to do? All right? If you catch this, some, some of you guys, you're like the same way. You're chasing after a girl. Once you catch it, what are you going to do? You don't know. All right? So... The same thing. He says, now, once you have connected, once you understand the one-spiritedness, the one-bodiness of the church, what are you going to do? And he says, here's what you need to do in verse 27 and 28. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. And here's the key. Contending as one man. Contending as one man. What? For the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. He says, once you connect, then you contend. We connect to contend. In the Lego movie, they, he says, master builders, we need to connect, not for fellowship. We need to connect because there's an enemy. There's a craggle. If, you'll know what that is if you watch the movie, right? There's an enemy. There's Lord business. That's who we're overcoming. And she says, so we need to connect so we contend. Now, the word contend, um, I, I, I like Greek, but I don't want to just do Greek just to be like, oh, look, I know Greek. The word is soon athleo, soon athleo. Okay, now here's, here's the question. When you get that word soon athleo, that last part, athleo, what, what word does that sound like? Athletic or athlete. Well, soon is where we get the word sin, meaning to get S-Y-N, like synthesize, together. So soon athleo is together athletic. Okay, watch this. He goes, I want you to contend as one man. What he's saying is, I want you to contend as one athlete. Remember, it's not the component individuals. It's how you operate as a team that accomplishes something. 
So you can have a great player, but if you have great players that don't play well together, you don't win championships. You have to have great teams. Soon at Leo, he says this, church in Philippi, you have an enemy, and your enemy isn't in the church. Your enemy is outside of the church. Listen, if you're married, your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is the one that would seek to destroy you, seek to disconnect you. In the church, your enemy isn't the person sitting on the other side. Your enemy isn't the pastors. Your enemy isn't any staff member. Your enemy isn't a board member. Your enemy is outside. He's the one that's trying to disconnect you, to tear you apart. Okay, so soon Athleo, what's it mean? Think of the game tug, tug of War. When you play Tug of War, what do you do? You pick up the rope, you look at your team, and have you ever played Tug of War? And the one person goes, okay, everybody together. One, two, three. Okay. Sunday mornings, you know what it is? Sunday morning is going, okay, church, are you ready? Are you ready? One, two, three. When you play Tug of War, it doesn't, doesn't matter if everybody's hands are on the rope. What it matters is if everybody is pulling together. Because what you may have is somebody that's picking up the rope, and they're going, I'm going to pull this way. And somebody else is like, I'm pulling this way. And then some people, they're pulling right, you know, in the wrong direction. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's touching the rope. It matters if they're pulling together. That's why Paul says, he goes, I want you to contend as one athlete, soon at Leo. So we have to figure out who is the enemy in Indiana And the easy answer is you go, oh, well, it's those heathens. No. No, it's the deceiver. He's the real enemy. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities. We we fight against a a, a philosophy, a a culture that would, would tell you you're better disconnected than you are connected. That's our fight. And so when I talk to people about Jesus, it's not, hey, let me tell you how much God hates you. It's let me tell you how much God loves you. It's not, let me tell you how pitiful you are. It's, let me tell you how great you could be. How? Connect. Just connect with us. Pull together with us. We're not the enemy. We're on your side. We believe that you're able to accomplish so much more. We believe that you are gifted and talented. We believe that you are the special and that there is a role for you. So according to Philippians, when we contend as one, we demonstrate the worthiness of the gospel. When we move in one direction, we demonstrate that believing in Jesus Christ is worth believing in. It helps us to stand firm. When we contend as one and you go through a tough time, it means we all go through a tough time together. That you don't have to suffer alone. It serves as a sign that what we believe is true. It scares the opponent when we are joined together as a team. And it gives us empathy with people that are suffering. There, uh, have you ever had that opportunity to, uh, in the middle of the night, you're walking through your living room and you step on a Lego block? Have you ever had that, parents? And you just, you're like, why did I have children? You know, why did I have children? See, that one Lego block in the dark, disconnected from other Lego blocks, can cause pain. But there was a woman, her name's Christina Stevens. She's an occupational therapist. She had an accident and lost her leg. This is what she did with Lego blocks. She made a prosthetic leg, a prosthetic leg out of Lego blocks. You can see it on the right-hand side. You see, an individual Lego block can cause pain when it's stepped on, but a collection of Lego blocks working together 
can provide mobility, freedom, and advancement. That's what we're saying. If you want what you've always had, stay disconnected. If you want to build something great in Indiana, connect. Connect. Because there's a Lord business to overcome. If uh, the worship team could come up, I just want to finish with this illustration. Um, my wife and I, we live in Texas, and, and I was finishing my last degree and just, you know, just overwhelmed with all the writing papers and reading and research. You know, I mean, anybody that's ever been to school, you know what that's like. And so I was just overwhelmed with all this. Well, the market was great. Interest rates were way down, and we had this opportunity that we could refinance our house at a lower rate. And now my wife, my wife has a master's degree in math. She is great at math. I stink at it. I mean, I'm very easily confused by numbers. And so she said, listen, I know you're busy with your degree. I'll take care of it. I said, all right, just let me know what I need to sign. And she goes, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of it. So she found somebody, and, and all I can say is that the people she got involved with were, at best, poor businessmen, at worst, criminals. And I, I started to notice a change in her because they were sending her contracts with numbers written in pencil. Now, she's smart. She, did, she wasn't signing those things. But it was causing a level of anxiety in her, and it was causing things in the house because in order to protect me, she wasn't telling me. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? In order to protect me because, well, you know, he's got so much going on, and, and I can handle this by myself. I'll just take care of it. But I noticed that things, something was wrong. I mean, it was affecting her personality. It was affecting our marriage. It was affecting the life. And so one night, we, you know, we put, we have three sons. We put the kids to bed and, uh, you know, turned off the TV. And, and I just said, hey, come on, come on into the bedroom. Let's, let's just talk. And uh, I, I play guitar. And so I just played some worship music. I had some communion elements. And I said, let's take communion together. And so we, we worship. We took communion. And, and I said, what is going on? And she just shared the whole story about how she was contending by herself. Okay, now I, I got upset. And uh, in the South, we would call it the Yankee in me came out. And so the next morning, she was no longer contending by herself. Her husband was on the phone and we were contending as one man against the enemy that was working. You, you see, see what I'm saying? Okay. So this morning, you may feel disconnected. You may feel disconnected from the church. You may feel disconnected from Jesus Christ. But know that God has gifted you and he has a plan for your life. And your plan for your life does not involve being disconnected. It involves being intimately connected. First, with your spouse, and then also with us as a body of believers. If we could stand and we're going to close. <clears throat> if we could just bow our heads. I want to give you this opportunity. You may be here this morning and, and say, you know what? Uh, I just came to church because somebody invited me. I'm glad you're here. Why? Because God believes that you're special. God has gifted you. He believes you're talented, but he doesn't want you to live your life without him disconnected from the church. We're not asking you to, to join this church, but we'd love to have you. But what we are saying is we'd love for you to join the body of Christ. We'd love for you to connect 
with the other pieces to make something beautiful. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let me tell you this. He loves you. He is close to you. He has a plan for you. And he wants to invite you to connect with him and his people. So with everybody's heads bowed, if you would like to receive Christ, I know Pastor Mel, some of his team would like to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. Just raise your hand. We're not going to call you forward, but just raise your hand. Just You want to connect with Jesus Christ this morning and come to know him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, we recognize you as the master builder. And your plan is to connect every soul to you and your church. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of sin and connecting me to your church. Help me to follow your plan to build something beautiful in this city. In your name we pray, amen. I, I want to do one last thing because I, I was joking with Pastor Mel. It's kind of weird if we have a sermon about how we need to connect with one another and then we call people up individually. You know, that's it's kind, of, kind of a little bit odd. Here's what I'd like you to do. If you're standing next to your spouse, I'm going to do two prayers. Uh, if you're standing next to your spouse, take their hand or put your arm around them. It, I'm, it's officially, you can do some PDA here. All right, all right. Okay, don't get too handsy, all right, because that'll make the people around you uncomfortable. But um, I want you to just take a moment and, and pray for your husband, pray for your wife, and just say, God, help us to connect more intimately than ever before. Okay, let's take a moment and just do that. Just pray for your spouse. Lord Jesus, I pray over marriages. Lord, I pray that they would be an example to the singles that are here that desire to be married. Lord, that our marriages would demonstrate the connectedness, the intimacy that Christ calls us to. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling in their marriages. Help them. Help them to connect intimately. Help them to connect emotionally, spiritually, physically, like they've never done before. How? By contending no longer as individuals against one another, but to begin to contend together, knowing that there is an enemy that would seek to destroy their marriage. Because if he can destroy their marriage, then it's one more chip at the church. Oh, we love you. Now, I'm going to ask, if let's, let's all just join hands. I'm not going to make you hold hands for a long time. So just let's all across, let's just move in and we just hold hands. Okay, I always hate when the pastor like makes you hold hands and then it takes forever. Okay, so I'm not going to do that. Okay, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you. We are one man breathing the Spirit of God together, contending together against a real enemy that would seek to destroy your church. Lord, we pray for those that are outside of our community, that are outside of this church congregation. I pray, Lord, that they would hear the message that they are loved, that they are gifted, that they are chosen by you to connect with, with your body, to create an incredible building to create something that they could never do on their own. Lord, bless us as a church as we go out, that we would go out in one breath, contending as one man for one purpose, the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'll tell you what, I, we're going to have, if you say, hey, 
I, I, there is something individually I'm going on that's going on in my life. Maybe there's sickness, maybe just some struggle, financial, whatever, anxiety, and you want to, to pray with someone, I know we have prayer leaders that, that will come up and meet you. So the altars are open for you to come and meet and pray with one of them.